want you to stand as we say goodbye to 2023 and hello to 2024. We say God is faithful. Amen. Let's worship Him. In the bleak midwinter, all creation grows for a world in darkness, frozen like a stone. Ideas breaking in a stable for a throne. And
to the middle a little bit. We still have lots of people coming in the room this morning and they're looking for a place to join in the service today. So just while you're standing, kind of scoot over toward the middle, fill up all those seats next to you. And before you sit down, would you turn to someone and just greet them, introduce yourself, say happy new year to somebody you don't know. It's so good to be in God's house together today. So much encouragement just being together. All right, you may be seated. Really good to see you here. Happy New Year, everybody. Let's continue to worship today as we celebrate two changed lives to the glory of God through baptism. Let's worship. Well, good morning, church family, and Happy New Year. I am so excited to celebrate these two uh, brothers in Christ this morning as they walk through the waters of baptism and celebrating changed lives with you today. Uh, first, I want to introduce Brady Brokel. Uh, Brady grew up in a Christian home uh, up until about the, his eighth grade year, and Brady shared that it was around that time that his sister shared a lot of her faith with him, and it was at that moment where he made his faith his own and trusted in Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. And so, Brady... Based on that public profession of faith, are you being baptized today because you know that you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Yes. Well, based on that public profession of faith and in obedience to Christ's command, I baptize you, my brother in Christ, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And this is Landon Weaver. Landon is also being baptized today because he shared he grew up in a Christian home, uh, but up until recently, it really truly wasn't his own. Uh, but only a few short months ago, uh, it was in this very room that he heard the gospel, walked forward at the end of the service, and said, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. And so, Landon, are you being baptized today because you know that you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Yes. 
people based on that public profession of faith and in obedience to Christ's command. I baptize you, my brother in Christ, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism. Raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. What a beautiful picture of changed, transformed lives that we have experienced by the blessing of God every Sunday in 2023. What a wonderful picture. Well, good morning. We are so thankful that all of you in this room, which is packed, have chosen to spend our waning hours of 2023 in worship together with our family. And to those of you online joining us, we welcome you as well. What a blessing it is to be together together on this final day of 2023. And I have to tell you that uh, next Sunday, for all the strangeness that you might be experiencing today of not having been with your life group or coming at a different hour than you are accustomed to coming, we will be returning to our typical schedule, which is that we have three services every Sunday in this room at 830 10 and 11:30, and then we have life groups which are really the lifeblood of this church in all three hours as well and so if it has not been your practice to join us we would invite you moving forward in 2024 to join us here at Prestonwood you know this morning I was finishing my final day of my Bible reading plan and so I finished finished the Bible in 2023 that's always a good practice we have lots of opportunities to to do that but I was just thinking as I was reading that final those final words in Revelation I do chronological I was just thinking how blessed I was to be able to conclude not only my trip through scripture but to conclude my year being together with you with our church family what a blessing it is to be a part of the body of Christ and to be plugged in to Prestonwood I am so thankful for my church I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for a God who has been so faithful. And so we are going to continue in worship. And one of the ways that we have to worship God is through giving. And I am just so blessed to be able to give to a church who supports so many ministries and missions. And you are as well. And so we have one last chance for our end of year giving to really worship and uh, and just participate in the ways that God has blessed up us. And so as the ushers come forward and we prepare to receive the offerings would you join me in prayer god we are so thankful so very thankful for all that we have been through this year lord the good and the bad we thank you that through the bad spots through the valleys god you did not take your hand off of us that you walked with us god that you love us and that you don't let go of us and god we thank you for the blessings for even this past week, having some time that many of us had with family, God, just the blessings that we have even witnessed this morning in, uh, in the picture of baptism. God, we thank you for who you are, for coming to this earth to save us. And so, God, we ask that you would speak through Pastor Lance today, Lord, that you would move in this room and that we would just enjoy the fellowship of family that only comes from the body of Christ. Lord, we love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.
so good. We have nothing to fear. We have everything to hope in 2024. We build our hope, our lives, our future on Him, Jesus. Sing this out. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus. Than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. we love you and we are thankful today Lord as a church we can give you praise and honor because we can build our lives upon you you're the giver of hope not fear but hope I thank you for this assembly today Lord I pray that you would continue to minister through your word in this place thank you for Pastor Lance I pray you would anoint his message from on high today Jesus we love you we thank, we're thankful today we can build our lives upon you and you alone. 
in Jesus' name, our cornerstone, all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Rick and worship team for leading us so well today. Good morning. morning. There we go. Happy New Year. Look, we're already on that New Year, New Me energy. I like it. We're good. We're getting going this morning. Well, my name is Lance Millsaps, and I have the honor and the privilege of serving as our next-gen pastor here at the North Campus. And I am so grateful for the opportunity today to be able to come and share something with you that the Lord has laid on my heart um, for today. And um, I just want to say thank you to Pastor Connor for giving me the opportunity um, to share this this morning. It's something that the Lord, for the last couple weeks, has just been kind of showing me. And I want to reveal that to you today as well. And so... Um, As we begin, if you'll turn in your Bibles with me, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 1. That's where we're going to spend the majority of our time today, especially in verses 20 and 21. And so as you're turning, I want to read it over you um, as we get started, where it says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 20, it says, It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Ah. I love coming into the new year. I love uh, what it represents and how it gets started because every year at the new year, we we are all about setting brand new expectations for our life. We're all about, uh, you know, trying something new. We're establishing resolutions for the type of person that we're going to be over the next weeks and months and for the next year. And I love that. But have you ever noticed as we are setting those uh, those expectations, whether it's the new year or not, we always have a set of eager expectations for the type of life that we're going to live. Um, For example, uh, we all have some sort of expectation for the type of fitness or diet that we're going to follow for every day of our life. And I know starting tomorrow, every gym owner in America is excited about that because tomorrow their, their membership doubles, right? But they also love it because come February, they know that half of those people won't be back, right? And, but they, they still got their contracts in. And, and you, if you've ever had to join a, a, a gym before, you know that you had to you know, sacrifice a, uh, your firstborn to get out of that membership. So like it's a, it's a, it's a big day for the gym, uh, the gym owners in America starting tomorrow. But you also, we have expectations for the type of husband we're gonna be or the type of wife we're gonna be. We set expectations for the type of, Um, mother or father that we will be. We set expectations on our kids, the type of athlete they will be, the kind of grades they will make, the school that they will attend. We have, some of us had even expectations for the Christmas gifts that we were going to receive, and some of us are still in counseling over the fact that we didn't get the one that we thought we were going to get last week. We have expectations for the job that we're going to one day have, the salary that we're going to make. We have expectations for the car that we drive or the neighborhood that we all live in. We have expectations even as teenagers for the type of boyfriend or girlfriend that we're going to have and that we're going to date, the type of college we're going to get into. You name it, all of each and every one of us, no matter where we find ourselves, we set eager expectations for our life. And we set out, especially in this new year, to try to meet those expectations. But then you know what happens, right? As time goes on, those those expectations, they, they tend to dwindle a little bit because things, you know, like Netflix, comes into play. Ice cream, you know, comes into play. Um, a busy schedule, you didn't realize how busy your schedule was going to be, and, you know, waking up an, an hour early is going to be a little bit more difficult than you thought it was going to be, and, you know, for the students in the room that thought they were going to set out to make straight A's this next semester, you're like, but it's trigonometry, and I'm never going to use that ever again, so, like, why do I need to study for that? Facts, I hear you. Look, what happens is what we find out is we find excuses to no longer uh, to, to feel the need to meet those expectations that we set. But here's the thing that I find most interesting for us this morning as we jump in to God's word is that we have eager expectations that we set for every area of our life. But I think there are times where we rarely place that same expectation for our, what our walk with Jesus is going to be. And so as we turn the page into 2024 and we open up God's word into Philippians chapter 1 this morning, Paul shares with us two eager expectations that he had for his life that I think that you and I should also strive for in our life, that we would meet those same expectations, not just for 2024, but for every day of our life moving forward. And he talks about in these opening verses, I think it's important that we understand a little bit of the context of what Paul is saying as he's writing here. Um, For context's sake, Paul is writing this letter in prison. 
He is chained, literally chained, to a, to a, a, a Roman soldier in prison. Every eight hours, a new soldier comes in and is replaced. So three different soldiers every single day, every day that he is in prison. He is in prison at this point. He has been on trial for treason um, to the Roman Empire because if he is found guilty, he will be beheaded. All for the sake of proclaiming the truth that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the coming Messiah, and he is the hope for mankind. And if found guilty, like I said, he will be beheaded and put to death in a, in, a, in a horrific way. As he opens up this letter to the church of Philippi, he spends the first 18 or so verses writing to them, sending them this, uh, he's encouraging them. He thanks them for his, their support in his ministry. Um, he thanks them, he tells them how much he loves them and, and how much he knows that God is going to continue to work in them. And he even then begins to talk about the, the, even though that he is in chains, even though he is in the situation and the circumstance he is in in that moment, he is okay with it because he knows that the gospel is still being shared. He shares with them in those first few sentences of his letter how he had suffered for the gospel. Though he had been mocked and had been beaten, even though he had been arrested multiple times in his life, and he was now even awaiting trial that could ultimately put him to death, he proclaims to them it was all worth it. And in verse 19, in Philippians chapter 1, he says, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this is all going to turn out for my deliverance. Could you imagine being in that setting and that consequence and knowing, knowing what was going on in that circumstance that where your life could ultimately end up in just a few short days that you say it's all for my deliverance. But then he gets into verse 20. And in verse 20, he kind of flips the script a little bit. And as he shares with the church of Philippi, he shares with them two eager expectations that he had for his life. And as we look at these and understanding the context of which he wrote them in prison, chained to a prison guard, knowing that his life was hanging in the balance, I think these, this one sentence in verse 20, these two eager expectations that he gives us are, is a great encouragement, but also a challenge for us as it comes to the, into the new year. So let me read verse 20 for you one more time. Paul says, it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. And so here he gives you these two expectations that he has for his life. And the first one is simply this. He has an eager expectation that we would in no way be ashamed of Christ that we would no way be ashamed of Christ. And when we know Paul's background and we understand not just the context of where he's writing it from, but the story of Paul's life, it's even more challenging and even more of an encouragement to you and I. What we know about Paul was that he was the Pharisee of all Pharisees, right? He was a teacher of the law. And if you were to hold him up in accountability to the Old Testament laws, all 630 plus laws, he would have been found righteous and blameless in the eyes of the law. He would have held everyone up to every one of them. He would, have, he would have not made many mistakes. He would have followed them to the letter every single day of his life. You also would have known that Paul did not believe that Jesus was who he said he was. He did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God. He did not believe that he was the coming Messiah. He did not believe that Jesus was the hope for all mankind. And in fact, he believed that anybody who did believe that deserved to die because they were a heretic. So he spent the most of his life as a Pharisee um, seeking out those who claimed Jesus to be the Lord, of, to be Lord. He found them, he arrested them, and sentenced them to death. He was responsible for the first martyr, uh, the killing of the first Christian that we know of um, in Stephen. And then he spent his whole life, and it said in Acts chapter 8, that he would go from door to door, house to house, and he would pull people out of their homes, men, women, and children, arrest them, and have them sentenced to death. And what the scripture tells us is that he would do that with a clear conscience because he thought what he was doing was righteous because if anyone believed that Jesus was the son of God, then they were a heretic and they deserved to die. That's why he could do it with a clear conscience because he did not believe Jesus was who he said he was. So he proved his value to the religious circles and arrested these people, murdering anyone who believed in Christ. But then we know that Paul, he had an encounter with Jesus. He was on his way to Damascus, and, and in Acts chapter 9, you, get to, you, you read the story, but his life was transformed when he met Jesus. And when he encountered Jesus on that road to Damascus, he, he came to the realization of the truth who Jesus was, and he went from killing Christians to arguably the greatest missionary and evangelist the world has ever known. In that moment, what Paul realized 
was that Jesus was who he said, if Jesus was who he said he was, and he in that moment believed that it was true, then his entire message to the world had to change. He had to go from one who was persecuting those who believed Jesus was Lord to now he had to proclaim that Jesus was Lord to everyone he came in contact with. Because in that moment, Paul recognized that what he had been saved from was an eternity in hell, a life separated from God, a life full of sin, and also but not only what he was saved from, but what he was saved for. And he was saved for the purpose of his life was to make Jesus known. And I think for many of us in this room today, we recognize what we have been saved from. We recognize that we have been saved from a life of sin. We have been saved from, from an eternity separated from God. We recognize that we, if we were to die today, we would spend eternity in heaven with Jesus because we have trusted in him as our Lord and Savior. But oftentimes, I think what we forget in this room, myself included, is what we have been saved for. And what we have been saved for is to make Jesus known in everything that we do. And so as Paul is writing this letter to the church of Philippi, he says, let me tell you the eager expectation I have for my life. Let me tell you this crazy ambition that I have to, in the way that I'm going to live. And he wanted to say, I know what I've been saved from, I know what I've been saved for, but no matter the circumstance, no matter the consequence, no matter the situation that I find myself in, whether I'm chained to a soldier in prison, or whether I'm shipwrecked on a missionary journey, or whether I am living my best life, my eager expectation, the hope that I have, was that I would in no way ever be ashamed of Jesus Christ. Could that be, the say, could that be said of us today? The original language for eager expectation in this writing, it, it means to, to long for. It was, a, it was a, almost a, a physical need, the way that he felt. The picture is like a baby in need of nourishment. Um, I don't know if you know uh, much about my family. Brittany and I, um, we have three kids. We have Addie, who's a 16-year-old. She's a sophomore. We have Clay, who's a 13-year-old. He's a seventh grader. And then um, we have a five-year-old, um, Kaysen. Um, the Lord had a great sense of humor when um, he gave us Kaysen. But um, it, it, yes, I will have a senior in college, a freshman in college, and a fifth grader all at the same time. Um, it's going to be amazing. And when, when the Lord, when, when we um, gave birth to, we, I did not give birth to Kaysen. When Brittany gave birth to Kaysen, um, I, I had forgotten what it meant to be a parent of, a, of an infant. Like I, I had like forgotten, we were eight years removed from that. We had sold everything that we had. I had no idea what that was going to be like. I could not remember how to parent an infant. All I remembered and all I recognized right at the beginning is he just cried all the time just always crying. But I also remember that moms have this supernatural ability to distinguish between every cry. I don't know how they do it. To me, just every cry sounds the same, but she would be like, nope, um, you know, he's, he's, he's got a wet diaper, or no, he's tired, or nope, he's hungry. You know, and I'm like, how do you know that? Right? Like moms just know that stuff. And, and I just remember like he, when he was hungry, there was just this painful cry. Like he was just, he, he just needed to be nourished. He had this longing for that. And I think the picture that Paul is trying to paint for us here today when he says that he has an eager expectation that he would no way be ashamed is what he was saying is that he longed for the nourishment of God, that he would be filled by the Spirit to boldly proclaim the name of Jesus. Guys, when we, when we go a little bit too long without lunch, we get hangry, right? Like, yeah, you're like, Lance, <laughs> speed it up. Lunch is coming, right? We get hangry. But guys, have you ever hungered to the place of where you had a need that you weren't sure you could survive unless you were sharing the hope of Jesus? Because that's the eager expectation that Paul is trying to describe to us this morning. And like I said earlier, we will place an eager expectation on every area of our life. But unfortunately, I don't know that we place the same expectation on our relationship and our commitment to Jesus. And the reality is, I think, for so many of us is that we become satisfied with the normalcy. We become satisfied with what is usual for us when just the normalcy of showing up when we're supposed to or showing up when it's convenient. We're satisfied with opening up God's word when only when we're in need. We're satisfied with being in church when the weather's good or if the Cowboys played the late game or if our kids don't have a soccer game that morning. And I don't say that to kick you in the teeth and I don't say that to be an amen or an ouch statement. But the question I have for you is, would you ever have that attitude towards your job? Would you ever have that attitude towards your family, your school, or the sport that you play? Of course you wouldn't, because you would lose it. 
And I just, have a, I just wonder today, could it, be, could it be that it's because our expectation that we have set for ourselves regarding those things is greater than the expectation we have set for our walk with Jesus? And the foundation that we have set for our walk with Jesus, or excuse me, and the foundation we have set for our families when it comes to prioritizing Jesus and the church in our life. I wonder if it's because we don't always trust that Jesus has a greater plan for our life. That we think there are things in this earth that would be greater than what Jesus has to offer. And I don't think any of us in this room, or I don't think most of us in this room, would ever say out loud that the world has more things to offer than what Jesus could give me. I don't think any of us would be bold enough to say that out loud, but I would say that our life screams it, oftentimes. Our, our priorities say something different than what we would often say with our mouth. And so maybe, I think just maybe this morning, we don't always fully trust the Lord, especially when we find ourselves in a difficult circumstance. One of the things this year as we've started off um, with myself being back in the student ministry world is um, back in August on our first Sunday back together, I put this quote before our students, and it's something that I've tried to keep in front of them a couple different times and share, but I want to share it with you this morning. And I think it's really true because I think this is where we need to be. Because if we truly believed half of what we say we believe about Jesus to be true, then we would live so much more of the life Jesus has for us than we actually do. I want you to think about that for a second. If you truly believed half of what you say you believe to be true, then you would live so much more of the life that Jesus has for you than you actually do. We say that we believe and we know that Jesus was born of a virgin and he came to this earth and he lived a perfect life. He went 33 years on this earth without ever once committing a sin. We've messed up today, right? We believe that he came to this earth, he lived the perfect life, and he, that he knew his outcome was going to be the cross, and he still chose it to go to the cross to die for you and I. And if he never did anything else for us ever again, that would be worthy of us giving him our entire life. But we also know that three days later he rose again so that one day we could spend eternity with him. And I just want you to think about the gravity of that, what we're saying we believe about who Jesus is. If we believe that to be true, then all we could do is have an eager expectation to be live unashamed for him. But oftentimes we prioritize other things instead. I've gotten to the point in my ministry uh, career now, especially in, in student ministry, um, that I have a lot of my former students that are um, getting married and having kids, and man, does that make me feel old. Um, and uh, for, I've, I've had the honor and the privilege to officiate a few of those weddings over the years, and um, when I hear their stories, um, especially how they got engaged, um, I start to think of myself, man, I could have done so much better. Um, and actually, it's funny, today, uh, 21 years ago today, I proposed to Brittany, um, and uh, in 10 days from now, we celebrate our 20th wedding anniversary. I, I threw a picture up here for you guys to say, look at those babies. Um, yes, my hair is highlighted. I wanted to be Justin Timberlake. I still do. Um, but here's the thing. In today's world, right, like in today's world, like when, when, when somebody gets engaged, like it's a, it's a huge deal. Like immediately, like it's automatically, it's on Instagram. It's automatically on Snapchat. They're posting to their Be Real. They've probably made up a dance to throw on TikTok or even before like it comes out. Like they even go on Facebook so their parents and their grandparents' friends can know about it. Like, but when Brittany and I got engaged 21 years ago, like we did not have that, right? We didn't have that opportunity. We, like we wanted everybody to know because we were so proud of the moment that it was that we were getting married. So like we literally had to take out a phone book and like look up people's names and find their numbers so that we could call them and the ones that we, so that we could tell the people that we wanted to tell personally. And then the ones that we just wanted everybody to know about, our announcement was, a, was a, 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 an email, you know, like that's how people knew. But today, like when you find out that somebody's getting married, like, I mean, it is, it is an extravaganza, right? Because everybody's so proud of it. Could you have imagined though, 20 years ago, a month before Brittany and I got married, if I would have gone to her and I said, hey, Britt, like, I love you. I can't wait to spend the rest of my life with you. I want us to get married, but here's what I'm thinking. Let's take your engagement ring. Let's go sell it. Let's go turn that thing back in. Let's get the money. We'll, we'll, like, we'll upgrade our flight. We'll go first class. We'll get, we'll get an extra, you know, a, a better room on our honeymoon. Um, let's go, we'll go to the courthouse today. Like, I want to marry you. Let's go do that. And, and, but we're not going to tell your parents. I'm not going to tell my parents. We're not going to tell your sister. I'm not going to tell my sister. We're just going to go. We're going to get, like, look, 
forget our wedding rings. We don't need them. We'll just, we'll still be married. We'll just, we just won't tell anybody. We'll just walk around without it forever. Could you imagine that conversation? Could you imagine? Uh, I would not be saying we're celebrating 20 years of marriage next week. I, I promise you that. It would never happen. Why? Because that's unacceptable. The expectation that we have for our future spouse, that would not be there. But can I ask you a really hard question this morning? If that would be unacceptable for our future spouse and the expectation we have set for them, then how could it ever be okay when it comes to our relationship with Jesus? You remember when you first got saved? How you couldn't wait to tell everybody? When you walked down that aisle and you met the pastor and you, you invited your friends and your family to watch you be baptized like we saw those, th uh, those two guys that got baptized this morning? Do you remember how after a few months or maybe a few years it became a little bit more difficult and a little less convenient to be a follower of Jesus? And what tends to happen is in those inconvenient moments, we just tend to slip off the ring and just put it on the table because it becomes a whole lot easier to not be a follower of Jesus. Guys, when it comes to being a follower of Jesus, to be unashamed, it means that we can't wait to display him in our life. That we can't wait to proudly put on the ring and say, I belong to Jesus and I'm not ashamed. And what Paul was saying is that's got to be our eager expectation and our hope that in no way we'll be ashamed. And then he says, and he continues in that verse, says, my eager expectation hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so the second eager expectation that Paul has for us that we should follow in his example is that Christ would be honored in life or death. Some translations in the word honored will use the word exalt or they'll use the word magnify. So when we are in no way ashamed, that means that everything that we do is to honor and exalt and magnify Christ. Because being a follower of Jesus is so much more than Sunday attendance. Being a follower of Jesus is so much more than posting a Bible verse in your social media. Being a follower of Jesus is so much more than just wearing a Prestonwood t-shirt when you go out to dinner tomorrow night. Christ being magnified means that he is the centerpiece of everything that you do. And what Paul says is he takes this, this eager expectation of no way being unashamed, or no way of being ashamed, but also says to the extent I'm going to honor Christ, I'm going to exalt Christ, I'm going to magnify Christ in every single thing that I do. So here's what that means in your life. Christ is magnified in how you talk to your wife and your kids. Christ is magnified in the way you do your business dealings. Christ is magnified when you go on vacation. Christ is magnified when you choose what you're going to watch on Netflix. Christ is magnified when you, with the language that you use. Christ is magnified in how you joke with your friends. Christ is magnified in how you act in the stands at your kid's game. Christ is magnified in how you clean your room. Christ is magnified in your obedience. Christ is magnified in you fill in the blank. Because in everything that you do, it is our eager expectation and hope with full courage. Now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether that is in the way that I live or in the way that I die. And I can tell you, and can I love you enough to say this to you, as great as this time off has been over the last week or so, and the time that we've been able to spend with family and maybe hit, go on vacation, can I say that there is no such thing as a Christmas vacation when it comes to your walk with Jesus? There's no such thing as a spring break from your faith. Because when we say that Jesus, that Christ is to be honored and magnified and exalted, it means that we just can't claim Jesus when it's convenient but slip off the ring at the dinner party. We can't just slip off the ring on a work trip on a Friday night when we're out with our friends because everything that we do is a reflection of Jesus Christ. When you claim him as a follower of Christ, everything that you do points to Jesus or it points back to you. And if your life magnifies self, more than it magnifies Jesus, then you are sending a very mixed message to the world around you. I've always kind of been fascinated by the stars. I love it. I love to go out on a, on a, on a clear night and just look up and just see they're just so big and bright and how they, just, they can light up the sky. But one thing I've never had is I've never had a telescope. Right? I've never been able to really look at them up close and um, personal. But I, I, I find it interesting that every single night... God can call out the stars by his great might and his great power, one by one by name, and not one of them is ever missing. But have you ever noticed from where we are, as you look up and you try to count them, maybe, and you're just like, there's one, there's two, three, four, 
And you're like, oh, there's the Big Dipper. Oh, there's the little, there's Orion's belt. And then you get lost and you're like, oh, did I already count those? And you have to start over. Or maybe if you're like a, one of those that enjoys sleeping in a tent for fun outside, um, you're a camper. <laughs> um, not me. Um, but like you go out there and you see that in the middle of the night and you, and you see that and you're like, this, it's amazing. It kind of looks like um, this, this photo, like you can just see, right? Like it's, it's crazy. But from where we are, they seem so small. But through a telescope, they look completely different. A telescope's whole purpose is to magnify the star, and it looks more like this. I've never had an opportunity to see a star up close and personal. But here's what I know. In reality, the telescope is minuscule in size compared to the size of a star. But the sole purpose in the existence of a telescope is to magnify the star and then bring them closer to Jesus, or bring them closer to us. For us, our sole purpose is to magnify Jesus and bring him closer to other people. It's our purpose. It's the reason that we exist. We're to be a telescope for the world to see Jesus through. And when we are unashamed of Jesus and we honor him in all that we do, the result is that Christ is magnified and people will be drawn to him. And so Paul says it is his eager expectation and hope that Christ will be honored and Christ will be exalted and Christ will be magnified in the way that he lives his life. But he also turns around and says, but also I want Christ to be exalted and honored and magnified even in my death. Just a few verses earlier, as he's encouraging the church of Philippi, he recognizes the potential consequence that he finds himself in, the setting that he finds himself in. And so he knows that if, he found, if he's found guilty of treason, he's going to be put to death. And he acknowledge, acknowledges this circumstance. And in verses 12 through 14, he says this. He goes, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. What Paul recognized in his life, and what I think is important for us to see as well, that his sole purpose for being in prison was to make much of Jesus. The entire Imperial Guard, every soldier that was there, remember, it was three soldiers every day on an eight-hour rotation for every day that he was there. Every single one of them heard of Jesus. The entire Imperial Guard knew who Jesus was because Paul was in prison. It says that um, the other prisoners knew who Jesus was because Paul was in prison. Because what Paul wanted to be, make known was whether it was going to be in life or ultimately his death, that Christ was going to be magnified. And the result of that, it says at the end of verse 14, that the other, um, the other believers, believers, the other brothers are much more bold to speak about the word without fear. The result of us magnifying Christ, no matter in our life or even when it comes to our death, is that other believers have the boldness to share Jesus without fear. What happened was there were other believers that saw if Paul can share Jesus even in the midst of being chained, so can I. If Paul can share Jesus even in the midst of, 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 of being sentenced to death, so can I. And it gave this boldness and this encouragement that we can all step out and do the same thing. And so I ask you this morning, how has your test, how has your trial, how has the difficult circumstance you find yourself in become your testimony? How have you used this situation that feels as if that you, you're not going to survive it? How have you used that to point people to Jesus? Because it is our eager expectation and hope, whether in life or death, that Christ will be honored and exalted in our bodies. And then in verse 21, he takes it one step further. And Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What he is saying for each of us, for us to recognize this morning, is the eager expectation is that the sole purpose of my life, for as long as I am alive, is to make Jesus known. There's no greater calling, there's no greater accolade, there's no greater achievement that will surpass knowing Christ and making him known. And when Jesus calls me home, the legacy that I will leave behind is one of faith, it's one of obedience, it's one of devotion. And then when he does call me home, I get to be in his glory forever. Paul realized that it was Jesus and it was Jesus alone that gave him his life. So his eager expectation was to live unashamedly for as long as he had breath. And he knew that bringing Christ honor would give him an eternal excitement. So I ask you this morning, what eager expectation brings you excitement? 
What makes, what, what about the, the expectations you've set for your life moving into 2024? What makes you excited? Is it to honor Jesus in all that you do or is it something else? Because I think what happens when our excitement is found somewhere else, verse 21 reads a little bit different to us. It no longer says to live as Christ, to die as gain, but when our expectation is found in something else. To live is money, but to die would be to leave it all behind. To live is popularity, but to die would be staying at home. To live is to be on the football team, but to die would be sitting on the bench. To live is notoriety, but to die would be to go unnoticed. To live is blank, and to die would be to lose it all. But when our eager expectation and hope is that in no way would we be ashamed, and that we would honor Christ, we would exalt Christ, we would magnify Christ in our life or in our death, then we know that we have, found, uh, uh, we have found an expectation that brings us an eternal joy. These other things, none of the things I mentioned, none of them are wrong. But at best, those things bring us temporary satisfaction or momentary happiness. But at worst, they can bring out the worst in us. And we have regret and hurt and fear. But when you... When your life has been transformed by Jesus and your expectations have changed, you realize none of those things truly matter. That's why Paul wrote a little bit later in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. He said, whatever gain I had, I counted it as a loss for the sake of Christ. I indeed, indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. Church family, what if in 2024 we set our eager expectation to live unashamed for Jesus and to honor and exalt and magnify him in everything that we do? What if one year from now we were sitting in this room and we were to look back at our life and say, I met the expectation. I'm going to continue to do so. What if one year from now it could be said of us what this theologian said of Paul he said, Paul's very being was wrapped up in his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He trusted, loved, served, witnessed for, and was in every way devoted and dependent upon him. His only hope, his only purpose, his only reason to live was Christ. He traveled for Christ, preached for Christ, was persecuted for and imprisoned for Christ. Ultimately, he would die for Christ, but even by death, by God's marvelous grace, was ultimately for Paul's eternal gain. What if? What if in 2024, on December 31st of New Year's Eve, we come back here a year from now, could that be said of you and I? What greater depiction of our life could we ever have than to say that everything that we did, we trusted, we loved, loved, we served, and we witnessed for, and we were devoted and dependent upon Jesus in everything that we do. I recognize that this is not an easy choice. I recognize this is going to be a daily struggle. It's a daily choice to die to self and take up the cross and follow after him. But if we can learn anything from the life of Paul, it's that bringing glory to God will always come at the sacrifice of self. If we spend our time creating eager expectations for the things that leave us empty, we will constantly find ourselves longing for more. This world will promise us momentary satisfaction, but it will never be enough. But here's the good news today. When we set our lives and we set our eager expectations on living a life that is unashamed, and we set our life on uh, have an eager expectation that we will honor Christ in how we live and even in our death, then we will have an eternal excitement, an eternal joy that will always leave us filled. And the good news is that God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to this earth to live the life that we could never live and die the death that we deserved. And he went to the cross knowing that was his outcome, but he still chose it so that you and I could have life. And I can tell you that today, if you've never known Jesus as the Lord of your life today, you can know him. In just a moment, I'm going to give us an invitation, and I'm going to invite you to come forward. But maybe this morning you've come to the realization that you don't have an eager expectation for your relationship with Jesus, 
because you do not know Jesus personally as your Lord and Savior. And today, you want to know this Jesus that came and lived the life that you could never live, who died for you. The scripture tells us that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages or the penalty of that sin is death. But it also tells us that the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you and I can be saved. Because even though we were yet sinners, Christ demonstrated his love for us by still going to the cross. And so today, maybe you need to give your life to Jesus and you just need to say, I want to have an eager expectation to follow Jesus, but I need to know him first. Or maybe today you need to take that first step of obedience and boldly proclaim Jesus publicly unashamedly in baptism like those two gentlemen we saw earlier this morning. I will have staff, we will have um, volunteers up here in the front that we would love to talk with you about how to take those next steps. Or maybe this morning you've been looking for a church home, a place that you could call your own. And maybe today you've realized that Prestonwood is that place that you would like to call your church home. And so we would love to talk to you about that and how to make you to become a member here at Prestonwood. So we'd love for you to invite, we'd love to invite you to come forward during the invitation and talk to one of our ministers or volunteers up front. I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to share with you today just something that God has laid on my heart. And I can't wait to see what God is going to continue to do in the heart and the lives of us in 2024. Will you pray with me? And then we'll sing together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have here today to come and open up your word. Lord, I pray for myself first and foremost, and I pray for every other person in this room that today we will have the eager expectation that in no way will we ever be ashamed of Jesus Christ. And that with full courage, now as always, that Christ will be honored and exalted and magnified in our life or by death for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. So Lord, I pray that over every single person in this life. And Lord, today, if there's someone in this room who does not know you, but Lord, they need to know you, I pray that you give them the boldness and the courage to get up and stand and walk down this aisle to come talk to one of our ministers today. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray, the name that is above every other name. Amen.